I'm your host, Noah Jensen, and on the phone with me today is my co-host. We got D'Angelo Starks. D'Angelo, how you doing, my guy? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, it's good to be back. It's been a long time. Yeah, not, uh, there's not a lot of sports to really talk about. You and I both uh, had jobs, at, or I at least had a job at a newspaper where I was doing sports, and unfortunately not doing that anymore, and you as well were doing sports, and that's not... Uh, something that that we were able to cover much of uh, in the, these past few months, but thankfully now we've got some sports coming back. And while we're going to focus mostly today on an NBA mock draft, uh, last night was the first round of the MLB draft, where the Detroit Tigers had the number one pick, and Spencer Torkelson was the number one pick for the Tigers, a third uh, first baseman out of Arizona State that they are switching to third, and uh, seems like there's a lot of uh, a lot of good things being said about him. Uh, one one scout I saw said he's the best offensive prospect they've seen since Mark Teixeira. So that that's got to give uh, Tigers fans a lot of hope for the future. Yeah, I think so. I think in the past two drafts, the Tigers have gone all in on doing whatever they can to get impact position players after for years only really um, getting impact pitching prospects so I think this is kind of the one that will be the, the big ticket name he's he can just hit yeah he's the most advanced hitting prospect most of these guys have ever seen they say he's breaking Barry Bonds' records for home runs in college I mean there's just not a lot to dislike about this guy honestly yeah and his his Comparison to a he's played in some wood bat leagues in the in in the off seasons and has shown that he still has power with the wooden bat and that's good great pitch recognition so it's not he's not a a pure power hitter that's going to strike out a lot like you see today he's a, he's the type of guy who's going to work at bats and get and get the pitches he wants to see and that's that's something you don't really see from a lot of guys coming into this league nowadays you see a lot of guys that like to hit home runs and they're they're striking out a lot as well, and you like to and you take that with them. But with Torkelson, it seems like he's going to be a, a pure hitter, not just from a power standpoint. And so, and also the 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 defensive um, on the defensive side, he can he can play both corner positions. It seems like he even said he played some second base, I think, at Arizona State um, at, at a time. And so, a lot of versatility with this kid, and it's it's really. Uh, it sounds like uh, some things might be turning turning the right way for us, and we got four more, or I think five more picks here coming up in the next couple of days. So hopefully they can add some more prospects that'll uh, make the future even brighter. So yeah, yeah, I'm excited to see what they do. I I think that was a slam dunk first pick, no pun intended. Yeah, um, and as long as they continue on this path and continue to get guys who can be impact players on offense and defense, I think things are things are looking up for the first time in a long time. And hey, maybe with this shortened schedule this year we might we might see the Tigers make a run at <laughs> run at the playoffs, especially if more teams are gonna make it. Um I wouldn't count on it. No. But you never know. You just, never know. Just gotta get off to a hot start and yeah. uh, but as far as baseball goes, that's uh, that's big. I think five o'clock today, the second round will start, and so yeah, hopefully, I think they have the first pick, and so hopefully they can add someone good there. Moving on to the NBA, before we get into the lo- uh, to the mock lottery that we're going to do, um, the NBA is set to come back. It was July thirty first, and right before we started, hit, before I hit record, 
Woj tweeted out that they are moving that date up to July 30th. Not sure the reasoning behind the one extra day earlier to, to start it. But, you know, it's it's earlier basketball for us, and I think it's it's going to be exciting. There's a lot, of, a lot of talk now of also some players worried about coming into the bubble, worried about uh, some health concerns, and and that could bring in some uh, replacement players, as, as uh, Woj tweeted out earlier today. Yeah, there's a, a weird late development. It seemed like all things were, were a go for most of the NBA stuff. And then, of course, all of a sudden, the play, these players, we don't know who they are, but they're starting to come out. And I don't, I don't know if it's health concerns, if they're worried about their, I, don't, I don't know. It's probably health concerns, but... It's just a, a weird time for it to happen when it seemed like everything was trending upward and it was moving forward really quickly. So, yeah, I can't. Something we'll just have to be on the lookout for. Yeah, I can't imagine that anything they were caught off guard by anything. I know, I know that the president of the Players Association, she, she, I think Michelle Roberts, she was, she expressed some concerns about the start of next season uh, being too early. And that's that's obviously something that I think they're going to have to work out. And I don't think December first is a realistic time to start the next season. And I don't think that's that'll happen. But it seems like everything uh, was going, like you said, it was going to be set and ready to go. And now we have these road bumps. But hey, Jamal Crawford and J.R. Smith are uh, pretty excited to hear that they might get a chance to play in the playoffs this year. Yeah, I don't think they had any chance otherwise. But I mean, no, it, it would be pretty funny if there's some of these guys that come in off the street who had no chance of playing a couple months ago. Yeah. And that'll play, play considerable minutes on a, on a team that makes a title run or something. It'd be kind of funny. It'll be, this is going to be a very interesting year. A lot of people are saying that whoever wins this year, it doesn't count. I, I disagree with that wholeheartedly. I think this is, this is definitely a something, this is going to be something that I think you can, put on these guys' resumes, obviously. I don't think this is going to be a fluky season by any means uh, as far as the results go. I think everything's going to turn out the way it probably should have. You might see a couple teams that we're actually going to talk about here in the lottery that might actually get themselves into the playoff race. And uh, so it's it's going to be really interesting. I'm just excited that we're, we're finally having some sports back. I know golf just started today, uh, the first PGA Tour events back. Um, the the basketball tournament uh, with all the old old NBA players, old college players, that's going to be coming up here early July, and so that'll be the first basketball action we'll get to see. So it's it's starting to trend. Everything seems like it's starting to trend in the right direction. Yeah, I, I'm very excited. Uh, it's been a long time since we've had actual sports. The only sports I've had are the ones that I have been playing virtually. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited to see real life sports play out and get to talk about those. I've never been on Twitch more often as I am now watching Coach Doug's and <laughs> taking Tennessee to a national title last year. Big Cat is one of the worst video game players I've ever seen. I hope I hope he hears this. I hope he knows that I think he's terrible. But it's it's very it's it's very exciting to watch honestly at, at times and uh, it's. It's been good to have that sort of that those kind of sports kind of a part of our lives still. It, it seems like it's real sports because you see these media guys really buying into all of it and talking about it on Twitter and making it seem sort of real. Yeah, he. I gotta say, I uh, I don't watch it personally. I 
I haven't um, explored that part of, of my fandom yet. Yeah. But I will say he has taken advantage of this moment probably better than most people have. Like, Absolutely. Starting this dynasty on NCAA 14, a game that everybody loves, and making a, a character almost an Andy Reid parody, it seems. Mm-hmm. Um, and just a guy that people can get behind. And he's, like you said, he's not very good. I've just seen a couple clips that are shared on Twitter, and he just makes some some of the worst reads I've ever seen in my life. He, he, panic, um, he panics a lot in, in a lot of situations. But I think when he was in the national title, I think at one point there were 124,000 people watching his stream, which is insane to think about, that that many people are coming in and watching a video game of a national championship, but it just shows you how much uh, how many how much sports fans are really missing missing real life sports, and so yeah. it's been a it's been a good avenue to go down a little bit. Absolutely, but uh, I think sports fans are willing to get their fix any way they can. <laughs> yeah, I think I mean you got hor- people betting on horse races constantly. I think they got the KBO on ESPN now, and so there's a, there's at least some some sort of live sports that are still going on. But let's get into the lottery mock draft that we want that this podcast is uh, going to be mostly about. Uh, we randomized uh, the lottery one time on Tankathon, and the lottery. Uh, so there are some teams, like I said at the top, there are some teams in here that are still going to be playing when uh, the NBA resumes play. Uh, Washington, Portland, New Orleans, San Antonio. They'll, uh, is Phoenix still uh, alive? Are they still going to? I think they're still. I think so. Yeah, so Phoenix as well. So there's only eight teams here that are for sure going to be in the lottery. For the most part, you, you, we expect Washington, Phoenix, and San Antonio to more than likely still be there. But New Orleans and Portland, they may be able to to squeak in. Nor I know uh, the NBA for sure wants New Orleans to get in there so they can have a have a one eight matchup with with LA, but. We're going to start here at the number one pick. The Atlanta Hawks won the lottery, so they will get the number one pick. And before the podcast, we flipped the coin, and I won the coin flip and got the number one pick. And so with that, there's a lot of good options here at the top, but I really think the best player available, and he's the best player available on my board, and I think most most of these teams, if they get the number one pick, will go with him, and I'm going to go with Anthony Edwards out of Georgia. Yeah. 6'5 combo guard. He averaged 19 a game. Shooting percentages weren't great at Georgia. That could be, uh, he had a 30% usage rate, which is uh, very high for, for someone at the college level, um, especially a freshman guard. Uh, Georgia really didn't have anybody around him, so he was forced to take a lot, of, a lot of tough shots. But he's probably the best athlete in the draft. Uh, he can get to the rim really at ease. Uh, off the ball, he's not he's not great. He still needs to sort of figure out the feel of the game. But I think if he if he falls here to Atlanta, you have Trey Young with you, so he can take the ball out of his hands more often. So he can sort of learn how to play off ball because really his entire time he's played basketball, whether it be through the EYBL or at Georgia, he always had the ball in his hands. So it's really never been something for him to to sort of learn how to play off ball. It's never been a necessity for him. Right, yeah. No, he he's a guy I like a lot. I think he could be like a, almost an Oladipo type guy. He's got that build, and he, he play 
pace, with that type of ferocity, and he's a bit of an athlete. For him, it's just continuing to j- develop that jumper that he has and continuing to kind of develop his basketball IQ when he uh, is not going to the basket, you know, learning how to make winning plays without having the ball in his hand. I think it's the next step for him to be really like an elite, elite two guard at the next level. Yeah, and on the other end, uh, defensively, that's where a lot of his weaknesses are. Uh, he gets lost a lot of times. You can see constantly in, in video, uh, even watching some of these other prospects going up against him, he gets lost on backdoor cuts a lot. He doesn't understand a lot of rotations defensively. And uh, on ball, on ball, he's not too bad of a defender uh, just because of his, he, he can use his athleticism at that point. But really when it's off-ball defending, really off the ball on both ends of the floor is where he really just needs to learn and, and figure out to have the feel of the game a little better for him. And so, But of all the guys here, I think he's got the highest upside of, of everybody, and I think he could definitely be a, a star in this league for years to come. I absolutely agree. absolutely agree. So with the second pick, we have Golden State. Golden State. Now, I want to say, this is not necessarily what I would do. This is this is probably the fit, I think, for this team. If I were um, in the front office uh, for Golden State, I would be urging Bob Myers to package this pick with Andrew Wiggins and get whatever, whatever we can. But for the sake of the exercise, I... Uh, I'm interested to jump into this guy because I know that you don't like him very much. And I don't really like him that much either, but I think he's the best fit for this for the Warriors here, and that would be James Wiseman. I think anybody who follows basketball or college basketball knows the name and probably knows that he had a bit of a tumultuous short tenure at Memphis. Um, but with Wiseman, you're, you're drafting him for his physical tools and you're drafting a guy who has an incredible upside, but you don't really know for sure what the end will be. He flashes some skill. He flashes a little bit of touch. But for the most part, he's a rim-running big. He's 7-1. He's, he's a good rebounder um, who, who projects down the road to potentially add skill and a jump shot and a little bit more of an outside game. But as of right now, he's not going to be much more than a rim runner and a lot threat and a guy who can defend the rim at a high level. Yeah, as far as fit goes, it's honestly, I personally would go with the Neko Okongwu there if, if, yeah. if you're going to go center. But if you go with Wiseman, you have, like you said, it's, he's an elite athlete at his size. He's 7'1 with a 7'6 wingspan. So obviously he's going to be able to uh, contain some guys at the rim. My biggest concern with him uh, he's gonna get. I think he's gonna get picked on a lot in some pick and roll situations. He can't move his feet very well on the perimeter, and so I think that's gonna that's gonna you're gonna see some growing pains from him there. But offensively, he like you said, he may be able to you know figure out a jump shot. He's got some touch around the rim. Uh, he's got some pretty good post moves. He's a, he's a pretty big guy, and you would expect him to sort of fill out a little bit as well. Uh, so. Not, I, I don't necessarily disagree with the pick. I think if, if Golden State's there at two, in a guard-heavy draft like this, I don't think they can go with go with a guard, especially with the core they have in Steph and Clay, and with Wiggins there is who you expect to be their starting three next year if they don't if they don't uh, package this 
uh, pick with him, and so that that's a that's a very solid pick to go with with Wiseman there uh, for Golden State. So we have Charlotte. Uh, any any more you wanted to add on him? No, I was just gonna say that's kind of how I felt about it. It wasn't um, a pick that I felt super strong about, just because I, I don't love the prospect all that much. But I think that he is it's purely based on fit. So Charlotte here at three. Uh, a lot of real choices they can make. They don't really have that big that they that they can build around. They have a they brought in Terry Rozier, but Devontae Graham kind of stole the show from him last year as the primary ball handler and scorer of this of this team. They have guys like uh, P.J. Washington and Miles Bridges as wings. And so if I'm picking three here, uh, there's three guys that I'm I'm sort of picking between. But if I'm going to go with one, I'm going to go with Lamelo Ball here at number three to Charlotte, uh, six seven point guard, and he can he can play off ball a little bit too. Uh, his shooting percentages aren't great, twenty five percent from three, thirty eight percent from the field. But he took seventeen shots, and so he was given the keys to a really bad team in Australia. Uh, so he he made a lot of poor decisions uh, trying to do too much for himself. But his playmaking goes, he's a, he's a phenomenal playmaker with the ball. He's a great live dribble passer. He can make about just about any pass in the book that you ask him to make. He's a great rebounder for a guard. He, he averaged 7.5 rebounds. And he shot 73% from the free throw line. So as far as that goes, that's, that's really the biggest indicator uh, on if, if you're going to have a shot and if it's going to uh, really translate to the next level is that free throw percentage. And at 73%, that's a fine free throw percentage. Um, I think, like Lonzo, Lonzo had to fix some things with his shot. I think once LaMelo does get get to an NBA team, I think he's going to get with somebody who can sort of rework that shot. I don't think you're going to see a lot of changes to it. You're not going to see him jumping a lot, uh, jumping more or anything like that. He doesn't get off the ground too much when, on his jump shot. But as far as the form goes, I think you're going to be able to see him improve there. And uh, it's really... A lot of it is uh, decision-making, and I think that's just going to, when he's around better players, I think the decision-making is going to be a little easier for him. I, I agree with you. I know, uh, I'll be honest with you, what I wrote out in my notes for the ball is clear out for Noah. I know this is your guy. Oh, so yeah. I, I just want to, uh, is it safe to say this is your favorite prospect in the draft? I would, if... If the Pistons get the number one pick, I would much rather have Lamelo than Anthony Edwards. Yes. Yeah. So I just, I just think he, he's so good at passing, and he, I don't know. I agree with you. Once he gets in a better fit for him personally, I think that you'll see him really blossom as a playmaker, and he has all the tools to be a high level scorer as a lead guard. So I think that he, he has everything, and he has overwhelming size if he fills out a little bit and gets a little bit more consistent with his release on his jumper I think he'll be an unstoppable guard a lot of the same concerns for LaMelo were those concerns with Lonzo Lonzo was a little thinner than you would have liked coming into the league but you've seen him in these three years really fill out and uh, the jump shot has gotten uh, a ton better it's not it's not that uh, cockeyed little shot that that swings left to right he's got a more more centered, and so if if Lamelo can sort of be on the same path, I think 
as a basketball player, he's already better in that, in that aspect than Lonzo was coming into the league. And so if he can just fix those little things, I think he can really be a, a, a great uh, lead guard in this league and for, for a long time. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Absolutely. So Washington at number four, uh, a pretty interesting fit here. They're a team that might be able to slip into the playoffs. They jumped up in this as well as Atlanta. They jumped up in the lottery a bit to number four. And some pretty good choices still left on the board. Yeah, they're weird. Because looking at the roster, they have... I think they're probably one of the teams that would go best player available. I don't know if there's any specific need. Because I think they have players they like in every position. You know, they've got... They've probably got John Wall coming back next year. Who knows, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't... They've got a ton of guys at point guards. So I don't know if they'll be drafting a point guard. Um, and then we've got Bradley Beal. I think the safe pick is probably going to be a Kungu. Um, you know, I know he's a guy that you like, you just said you would take him over Wiseman. He's just, he's such a good athlete. He's so good at offensive rebounding. He's a monster around the rim. He can, he's, I'd rather have him as my rim runner than James Wiseman too, just because I think that he has the motor and he just, I don't know, I like the way that he plays a little bit more than, than Wiseman. I know he can score with his back to the basket if you really need him to, and he's a monster on defense, and I think he, that he's one of the safer picks in the draft in the sense that you know that this guy is going to contribute for you at a high level for a lot of years. Yeah, he shot 62% from the field on 10 shots a game. He was playing alongside another center a majority of the year, and they really they focused on they didn't focus on Oneka as much as I would probably thought as I, as much as I thought they would have, uh, especially with how how great of a finisher he is around the bucket. He shot like I said 62% from the field. He has great touch, and like you said, the the post moves are very developed at a guy who's only 18 years old. Uh, he he played alongside uh, the Ball brothers at Chino Hills, and so he he's played with uh, great guards for his whole life. Seventy-two uh, percent free throw shooter. So you hope that a jump shot could uh, could be part of his future. He can hit some mid-range jumpers, but stepping out to three—that's not something that you really saw him do a lot. Uh, a lot of comparisons you see to Bam Adebayo. The only the only part of his game that needs to improve to get to that BAM level is his playmaking in the open court. BAM's a guy you can give the ball, bring up the court. I don't think right now a Kong Wu is. Uh, you saw in a lot of high school film, BAM Adebayo was able to do those types of things, not as much in college, and so a lot of people that were doing some uh, draft work didn't really know that about his game too much, and so uh, that that's something he already had, and I think that's something a Kong Wu has to, has to bring. Defensively, a, a great defender. He does jump at a lot, as as does Wiseman. They're both guys who love to jump for blocks all the time. But he averaged three blocks a game, so I can't. I don't. I don't really uh, take uh, take that as a negative for him because he's getting he's getting a lot. He also had one and a half steals a game at USC. So defensively, he's a guy who's going to come in and really be an anchor for your defense. He may early on get a little uh, overwhelmed with guys like Joel Embiid in the post because his uh, at six nine uh, it's not as big going up against a guy in Joel who's seven one uh, that might 
cause some concern. But once he fills out a little more and sort of grows into his body, uh, I've, I saw an interview with him. He says he's still growing a bit, so you might see him at 6'10", 6'11", here in the next couple of years. And uh, that's a great pick. And, you know, running that pick and roll with John Wall and Bradley Beal, that's, uh, that's a good guy to have in your pick and roll. Uh, yeah, he'd be a great finisher on the on the back end back end of those pick and rolls, and I just think he at four. If you you probably don't want to reach for a position where you already have some depth, he just feels like the right pick for that team. Yeah. Now Cleveland here at five. This is really interesting because it's a very guard heavy draft, like we said. And the last two drafts, they've taken point guards in Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. They also took Kevin Porter Jr. at the end of the first round last year. So they have a lot of young guards that they want to build around. So a guy like Killian Hayes or Tyrese Halliburton, uh, they, Cole Anthony, they might not be the pick here. I, wouldn't, I don't know if I would bring another guard into that situation. And so just with what's on the board right now, uh, I'd probably go Obi Toppin for him, 6'9 uh, forward. His age is a bit concerning at 22 years old. He's only a sophomore, but he is... A little older, but you hope that means he can sort of step in right away and, and be a guy that can that can maybe start and take over for Kevin Love at that four position if they if they decide to move Love or even learn from Kevin Love uh, at the four uh, for some time. Uh, he scored 20 points a game at, at Dayton, shot 63% from the field uh, with uh, is taking 12 and a half shots. He still shot 40% from three, and he doesn't take a lot of them, which is good because. He, he's not somebody who's just going to chuck threes because he's open. He's going to work for his best shot. Now, defensively, there's going to be a lot of struggles for him. He, he cannot defend a pick and roll. He may be a worse perimeter defender than Wiseman is as far as uh, staying with guys laterally. Um, and even, even in the post, you would think with a guy his size at 6'9", with a 6'11", wingspan, he'd be able to hold his own. But really... He he's he gets beaten up a little bit down in the post, and so offensively he's a he's a very a pure scorer. I think he's somebody who who's not going to struggle at that end. It's the defensive side of things where I I worry a bit with him. Yeah, he's got a lot of lot of room to grow um, in that play. He he's a great athlete, but it's mostly in his leaping. Like you said, like he's not a guy who's gonna kill you with his lateral quickness. He's not going to be able to stay with defenders on the perimeter. So the good thing is Cleveland is very young, and they probably are going to be bad on defense. So, I mean, that's not a good thing for him, but maybe there's less pressure on him to be a great defender right away. He can grow Mm -hmm. in that way and learn kind of on the fly on the job because – if he if he can become even a mid level defender, he's going to be a really productive NBA player, I think, because he he knows how to play on offense. It's just whether or not he can grow on the other end of the floor. Yeah, and another thing, the rebounding is a bit of a bit of a concern. Which really, he's uh, besides the outside shooting, he's a lot like Kevin Love coming into this draft. They, they Love, I mean, you saw Love rebound a ton at, in Minnesota, but once he got into Cleveland, when he's around some some better players, those rebounding numbers did go down. And with Toppin, he was the best player and the best big on the floor at all times, and he only averaged 7.5 rebounds last year. Not not an alarming number, I wouldn't say, but something, another end that he needs to sort of uh, improve upon and, and become a better rebounder. He's a fine he's a fine facilitator. You can give him the ball. He won't make terrible passes. He's smart with the ball. 
But yeah, it's it's really going to depend on if he can if he can figure out a way to be an average defender uh, because his off like you said his offensive game is already at a point at, there's guys comparing him to Omari Stoudemire as an offensive player and Omari didn't even have a jump shot like Obi does and so if you if you hope that that's the trajectory he's going to go on that's very good for as far as the offensive side of things. Yeah, you'll take that guy. You'll take Omari Stoudemire top five. Yes, anytime. absolutely. absolutely. Uh, at number six, we have the Minnesota Timberwolves, and this is uh, another interesting spot uh, for for this team. Yeah, this is. Uh, I was thinking, you know, if you're Minnesota, you're probably really, really hoping that you can. They probably would want Obi Toppin to fall to them. Yeah, I just feel like that's a guy that they would probably like a lot, and a guy, that, even though putting him next to Carl Towns. Is not great. That team would be so bad defensively. Um, but the pick I'm going to make really probably isn't going to help that either because I think with D'Angelo Russell and the guards that they have, you know, they ju- just drafted Jared Culver. They like Josh Okoge a lot and traded for Malik Beasley last year. They're so heavy at guard. And then you, of course, have D'Angelo Russell. I think they, you need a forward. And the best forward on the board is Denis Adijic. Um, and I think he's really good with the ball in his hands on offense. I think he could be a great secondary playmaker for them because obviously you get D'Angelo Russell for a reason. But at forward, I think he does a lot of things really well for you. Now, he needs to improve a lot in shooting. You know, he only shoots 52% from the free throw line. He doesn't get there a ton, but you, you cannot shoot 52% from the free throw line and expect to play big minutes in the NBA. So he's got a long way to go. But overall, you know, he's young. He's only 19. I think that he has the tools to be a really good player down the road. He can rebound. He's got a an advanced feel, and I feel like he makes the right play more often than not. But if he... His big question is shooting yeah. and whether or not that projects to the NBA level. Yeah, the shooting is going to be a concern. Uh, you would you you hope when you when you watch his film, you see him knocking down some shots, but then, like you said, fifty one percent from the field, or uh, excuse me, fifty two percent from the line. That doesn't translate very well uh, to a above average shooter in the NBA, for, at least from deep. Uh, from the mid range, he has a, he can knock down a shot. Uh, that's that's not something to be too concerned about, but getting to the mid-range at the NBA level I think is going to be a bit of a concern because uh, he doesn't have that explosiveness you'd like out of a guy who's going to be uh, handling the ball. and um, So those those concerns might, might carry over, especially playing against much better defenders in the NBA. Um, he is a much better defender than I think people give him credit for. Uh, he, he did average a block a game, and so he's able to use his size there. Uh, to, to disrupt some around the rim, but only a six nine wingspan. You're not gonna you're not gonna see him a lot of the times uh, swatting a, a ton of shots out of the out of the gym. But he does like like you said, he does have good instincts, and so defensively off the ball, he he's a good team defender, and uh, I think that's a good fit, especially what with what uh, Minnesota already has around. I think, but like you said, I think they would like to have a guy like Obi Toppin or maybe an Akangwu fall to them. Yeah. To, to sort of bolster bolster them a little better. Yeah, absolutely. 
absolutely. I think Kongo is probably the, the ideal pick for them. You know, you get a, a guy who can kind of pick up some of the slack that Cat uh, has on defense. But with all those guys gone, I think this is just the best fit for what this team has. They don't have much at forward at all. Mm-hmm. So he at least gives them a plus player at a position they need. Yeah. Now at seven, we got the Detroit Pistons. And I know I think you already know where I'm going to go with this pick because yeah. he's already on the bo- he's on the board. We both love him. He's the number three guy on my board, and that's Killian Hayes. Uh, he's playing in Germany, but he's a he, he's from France. He averages eleven and a half points a game, five and a half assists, uh, one and a half steals. Turnovers are a little high at four and a half, uh, but I think that's the same sort of uh, situation that uh, Lamelo was in, where he doesn't have a lot of playmakers around him. And so he's got to force a lot. Um, so the decision-making just needs to be, and especially if you have him under Derrick Rose to learn from Rose, I think he can he can learn from that and learn some better decision-making there. Uh, a very good shooter, even though the numbers don't show it. He's got a good shot. He, he's got trust in his shot as well, and he shot 88% from the free throw line. Doesn't get to the line a ton because of his He doesn't like getting to the bucket, and uh, he, he can get to the bucket, but he doesn't like the contact around the rim. And so that I, I just think this is a guy that if you're Detroit, you need to find a lead guard to build around. And I think Killian Hayes, even at 18 years old, he can be the guy uh, to really to really build around with as well, Sekou Dumboya and Luke Kennard, Sfima High Luke, hopefully Christian Wood if they can re-sign him and sort of feel like you're giving some more hope to the Pistons. Yeah, I think anytime you can get a guy like this, you know, this is this is what you hope for, obviously. This is how you if you're the Pistons, if you're not jumping up into the top three, if you're if you somehow fall where you do in this uh, mock draft, you hope that this guy or one of these top point guards falls to you because he's such a good passer and he's so smooth. He just he he generally puts the ball where it needs to be for his teammates. So I think people would love to play with this guy. And like you said, he his shooting numbers, people misleading. Like, I, obviously, shooting 29% from three isn't great, but he's really good at shooting off the dribble. He's good at shooting these mid-range pull-up jumpers. So it leads me to believe that even though he's only 18, that that jumper is going to continue to develop because it's not... It's not a mechanical issue. The jumper looks good. It's a good-looking shot. I think it's just going to come with repetition over time. Yeah, a Harden-esque step back as well that uh, is very intriguing to see, especially at 18 years old. Harden, even coming into the league, I don't think that was a part of his repertoire yet. And so, and he a lefty guard, um, that is a, that is an issue for him. He does not go right very well. If he drives right, he makes sure to get back to the left so he can finish around the rim. So being able to... Um, being able to get that right arm and right hand a little better, uh, especially on the perimeter to get by guys and even finishing at the rim with that right hand, um, that that's going to be key for him. And uh, defensively, he's he's going to be a scrapper on defense at, at six five. He's not somebody who's going to be a liability for you. Uh, he can really out muscle some guys that are maybe smaller than him, and so that that'll give him a, a bit of. Uh, uh, that'll that'll help him out a lot, and especially with a six eight wingspan on the on the perimeter, that uh, that that's going to help. And so having a bigger guard to build around, I think, is the perfect fit here for for Detroit. Yeah, I 
I think this if this is how the draft plays out, um, Detroit can go home happy. You've got a guard who you can you can easily fall in love with. You can watch this guy for five minutes and see all of the upside that he has and what he will bring to the table. So New York here at eight. They uh, they took R.J. Barrett last year, who they're hoping to be their lead guard, and so that brings up some questions here because uh, you took the last you know good forward I think that's uh, that could be in the top ten. Yeah, with I mean, a Viha, that is. Yeah, yeah. The the other forwards I don't I think anyone would agree would be a bit of a reach. I. I, there's some three and D guys that I, that I really like strapped, but I wouldn't take them here. So I think if you're the Knicks, I know that you're going to want the ball in Barrett's hands a lot. But I don't think taking this guy would prevent that. And I think just on upside alone, I would probably I would go with uh, Tyrese Halliburton. Now, like you said, they want the ball in Barrett's hands, and they should because he's a good guy to have the ball in, their, in his hands. Um, but also, Halliburton is the third best point guard in this draft, but he's right up there in terms of his passing ability. You know, he he just makes the right play all the time. He's 6'5", he shoots the ball well. He's got a funky-looking jumper. It's it's not pretty to watch, but yeah. it goes in. He shot 42% from the three. He shoots 82% from the line. The guy can shoot, and even if it doesn't look great, it goes in. He makes the right play most of the time. You know, he only turns the ball over 2.7 times, a, or yeah, 2.8 times a game. So he's he's a guy who you can start at point guard right away, I think, and he's he can make it easier for RJ Barrett to develop off ball while also not having to take away from his opportunities on offense. Mm-hmm. I I think those two could realistically be a pretty good fit together it's just whether or not the, the Knicks would want to go with another guard yeah you know with I think it's a great fit honestly because you have you can give the ball to RJ and have the ball in his hands more because honestly Tyrese is not going to be a guy with that funky release that he has he's not going to be somebody who's going to be uh, hit and pull up jumpers a lot it takes about two and a half three seconds for the jump shot to get off in uh, in a pull or uh, off the dribble and so having him more as a spot-up shooter and having Barrett as more of that guy who, who initiates the offense. But in the open court, you'd love to have Tyrese running the, run the break because he's a, he can make very great decisions, quick decisions, and uh, six and a half points a game. And like you or excuse me, six and a half assists a game. Uh, and on the defensive end, uh, he's going to be somebody that you can, you can hope can develop into an elite defender. Um, you see in the film that he... He's always guarding the best player on the other on the opposing team, but in some interviews that I've I've watched and some podcasts that I've listened to, um, a lot of Big Twelve coaches said that they thought they could go at Tyrese on the defensive end and thought yeah. he, he wasn't necessarily the best defender that they've seen, and that that does show in a little bit of his film. He takes some uh, uh, some tough angles uh, when trying to defend a driver to the lane, and so. That's something, but I think that's something when you get to the league, you can you learn more and more about. And you, you've seen this, you see this with a lot of guys coming into the league that have some struggles defensively, but have the tools to become a good defender. Is they just need to learn uh, 
but like like with Halliburton, learn better angles, learn better ways to cut off guys driving to the bucket. And I think that's something as smart as he is, as, as smart of a, a player as Tyrese is, I don't think that's going to be a problem for him at all. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And I think if you go to New York, you have the help of having a pretty good rim protector in Mitchell Robinson. I mean, I know the guy, he he's, gets a lot of fouls, but I think that gives you a little bit more leeway to grow and to learn in that department when you have a guy who can deter shots around the rim the way that he can. Yeah. Now, this is tough for me at, at nine with Chicago. Uh, this is a really weird team because their entire starting lineup seems to be set with young guys. So do I, I, I don't know if I go with somebody that, that can maybe slip into the starting lineup if they want to get rid of Otto Porter, a guy that can maybe uh, lead a bench unit. Um, but they have they have that in Kobe White. Uh, at, at for the time being, you hope Kobe White can turn into that starting point guard alongside Zach Levine. Oh, this is this is a lot tougher than I expected it to be. But I think if I'm going to go with a guy here, I think you want to go with a wing. And so I'm going to go Devin Vassell out of Florida State. Uh, one of the better shooters in this class at 42% from three on three and a half uh, threes per game. Uh, he averaged 13 points. He's a he's a pretty good defender. Uh, his slim build might deter him to being a, a better defender uh, when he first gets into the league. But once he sort of fills out, I think he's got uh, he's got the skills to really be a, a top level defender in the league. Uh, he was somebody that didn't really shoot off the dribble too much his freshman year. He only made one pull up jumper. And his sophomore year, he hit 39. And so you've seen you see the improvements there, and uh, I think he could be a really good fit, and possibly be a replacement if they want to maybe move that out of Porter contract in the future. Yeah, I love this guy. Uh, I I've just I watched him a couple of times over the past few days in preparation for this, and I just I love the way that he plays. You know, he doesn't have to be the lead. At any point on offense, and he can make consistent plays. He shoots the ball really well, and like you said, he's improving off the dribble. So I think he, over time, could really become a secondary ball handler for you. He shows some flashes of being able to make, of, to be able to throw accurate lobs and to find the right guy in transition. Uh, I love the way that he can jump passing lanes. He's so great at having at, like intercepting passes and taking it the other way for a dunk. Mm-hmm. And I definitely think he could eventually replace Otto Porter and be a more productive version of what you want that position to be. He's my favorite three D guy in the class, and I just think that he has a little bit more upside than the other three D guys. Yeah, and like like you said, he he doesn't need to be that number one option, and I don't think he's going to ever be that option in Chicago if you have Kobe White and Zach Levine there for the future because those are two ball-dominant guys, and I think he can play off of them pretty well. He runs around screens. He he averaged two steals a game and one block a game, so on the defensive end, like you said, he's going to cause he's gonna cause some havoc out there. And, yeah, the game just keeps improving, and that's what you like to see from these guys. Not somebody that, from his freshman to sophomore year, kind of stays stagnant. Somebody that really is improving the parts of his game that that needed some improvement, and that's and that's what you really saw from Vassell this year uh, at Florida yeah. State. Yes, and playing at Florida State, you know he plays in a, a good defensive scheme, so you just know that he knows how to where to be, and he knows how to play defensive basketball. Mm-hmm. 
Phoenix on the board here at 12. They are in, or at 10, excuse me. They are in need of a point guard, and lucky for them, there are a few point guards still left on the board that could that could go to them and fit well next to Devin Booker. Yeah, I'm, it's tough just trying to figure out who the right one is, uh, but I think the best point guard still available. Uh, he's he's a bit of a combo guard, but I think that he would be. I don't know. <laughs> they do want to. They do want to play Booker at the point guard more often this year. So maybe you yeah. go with. Maybe you go with a wing. It's Phoenix is in a really tough so spot weird. here. So weird spot. There's such because they don't need a big, and there's obviously no bigs to go after because you already have Aiden, and the the best bigs are off the board. And so it is. And there's just a there's a lot of guys to choose from, really. Yeah. So I think you're gonna end up going with a. I don't think you can take another three and D guy. You know, you just took Michael Bridges. You have you have guys that can do that. I think the pick has to be RJ Hampton. You know, he's he's a really good athlete. Another guy that went and played um, overseas instead of going to college. And Hampton is really interesting because he he isn't my favorite player by any means, but he's he's a really good athlete. And with the ball in his hands, he can make plays. He's so shifty. Um, and he, he can get to the hoop. So I think in that way, he compliments Devin Booker pretty well. You know, Booker is one of the better perimeter players in the league. And with RJ, you get a guy who does his best work in the paint. He's a, a really good athlete at his size. And he scores well around the basket. I think, obviously, obviously with him, his big issue is shooting and becoming a more consistent shooter. Uh, but he's... he's I just think he's probably the best fit for this team at this spot. Um, he's a little Westbrookish in how he plays. I'm not going to say he's going to be Russell Westbrook, but he has that style of kind of physical. He's got a physical presence with his athleticism, and he's just not that great of a shooter. But who knows? Maybe that develops over time. Yeah, I'm not super high on RJ either. Uh, I don't know if I would have taken him here at 10, but I definitely don't think it's a bad uh, As far as fit goes, I don't think it's a bad fit. Um, I think there's some other guards on, on the board still that could maybe maybe maximize uh, Booker's off-ball ability a little better. But having, having RJ Hampton, he's a, he's a very elite athlete, uh, but on the defensive end, he has some struggles. Um, and, so it, and, it, and that's really uh, the focus part. With, with RJ, he needs to stay a little more focused on the defensive end. And I think that's the problem with a lot of these guys. It's staying focused defensively because they were asked so much of them uh, on the offensive side. They had they had to do so much offensively that they maybe thought they could take some breaks on the defensive end. But sliding him in there, if he can be the st- he could he could come in, be the starting one for Phoenix, play alongside uh, Devin Booker. I think that's a pretty good fit uh, for the long term. you had are very valid. He's, he's, he's a pretty inconsistent guy across the board, uh, but I think the the upside is probably what Phoenix would turn to and hope that yeah. they have a point guard that they can slot next to Devin for a long time. So San Antonio's up here at 11. They have not picked in the lottery in 21 or 22 years, I believe, uh, at, least, uh, at least their own pick in the lottery. And so this is a little interesting for them. Uh, I don't know with if they 
if they're really into Deontay Murray, and it seems like they are giving him that contract extension last year, that he's going to be the lead guard. So finding a guy that can maybe play next to him uh, is going to be critical. Um, and I think this might be a bit of a reach. I have him about 16, 17 on my big board. Uh, but I'm going to go Aaron Nesmith out of Vanderbilt. Uh, 23 points per game, so he's a bucket getter. 52% from three, and he took eight a game, so you know he's going to come into the league and be a fl- he's He's just going to hit every shot out there. 83% from the, from the free throw line, so that jumper is legit. Uh, he's not necessarily, I wouldn't call him a 3 and D guy because the defense still needs a little work. He, he's a little slow moving laterally, uh, guarding guys on the perimeter. But he can use his length to help out, uh, closing out on guys. And uh, if you can learn under Popovich defensively, I think that'll be huge for him. I think if Aaron Nesmith falls to 11 and falls to the, to the Spurs, I think that might be one of the most perfect fits uh, in the draft. Yeah, I think this is a, a great pick by you. I well, thanks for the Spurs. You know, they're uh, they're one of the teams that just hasn't fully embraced the modern NBA yet, and this this pick could be a huge step in that direction. You know, like you said, the guy shoots lights out. Before he got injured, he was shooting. 50, plus 50% from the three, and that's just insane. So I think anytime you can get a guy who's that good at his best skill and it's shooting, yeah. he's going to be valuable in the modern-day NBA. And if he can learn in that system, you know that he's going to be a valuable role player for a long time. And if you have him and Bryn Forbes running off screens, it's, it's going to be a nightmare for opposing defenses uh, trying Absolutely. to trying to guard the three-point line. There, there's not much bad about his game. On just the way he plays, he's not going to be a guy who's going to take dudes off the dribble a lot. Uh, he has the ability to get to the mid range and hit a pull up jumper here and there, but a lot of his game is going to be it, it's going to be Duncan Robinson esque. Really, he's going to be running it. He's going to be running in transition a lot. He's going to they're going to be able to find him. Uh, hopefully, have Deontay Murray finding him in, in the corner for open threes and. I just I think this will be a really good fit uh, for for a long time. I think he could be a guy that could stick around the league forever just because of the jump shot. Yeah, I totally agree. All right, now we have New Orleans here. I feel like I missed a team for some reason. I feel like I'm I'm a team short. I don't know why. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. I only have thirteen teams. Which is not which is not good. So let me let me make sure. Let me go back to the let me go back to the order we had. And well, make sure. Yeah, oh, the king. Like, it's actually the king's pick now. It's perfect. We're, okay. we're we're good. That's the king's pick. My that was my bad. Right, See, so let me adjust on the fly because I had. It'll probably be the same pick here. Yeah, yeah. I, the, the kings are such a weird team, but I think with this. You probably just need to get a guy who you know is going to contribute. You know, they've missed on some people. Um, and Marvin Bagley, I like the guy a lot, uh, but he's a bit of a question mark health-wise. Yeah. So, not that this guy is going to replace him by any means, but I think that you can go with a guy that has a high floor, and that's why I don't love him, but I think if you go Okoro from Auburn, 
you get a guy who you know is going to play defense at all costs. You know he's going to defend, and he can defend multiple positions, and he's going to be really valuable for you on that end of the floor. For a young team, a lot of the times, that's what they're missing. Mm -hmm. Uh, You throw him out there in any lineup, and he can defend. Um, And, of course, the big question with him is whether or not his jump shot will continue to develop, and I think that's... That's a very real question. Um, yeah. So that's why I think he falls to where he does because if he had a, like if he shot like Vassell, he would probably go higher than him because he's just a better defender. Oh, absolutely. I would have. I would take a Coro a Coro in the top four if he could shoot. Exactly. But but like but yeah, that's that's the biggest issue is the jump shot. Um, you, I think this is. I think he is the closest thing in the draft that we've seen to Stanley Johnson, and that's not a compliment necessarily. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, he he can he's he's a better. Uh, I think he's a better athlete than than Johnson was. He can he can fly. He can get up and and dunk over uh, a lot of defenders really. Uh, so that's that's something that you you didn't see from Stanley Johnson. He didn't have the the vertical ability as Okoro does, but it's going to be that jump shot. That's all it's going to come down to, and that's really all it came down to for Stanley. So if if Okoro can figure out a jump shot and stay in the league, he can he'll be able to stay in the league for a long time. But if he can't, it it worries me that he might be on the same path as, as a Stanley Johnson. Yeah, it's it's very possible. Um... Like you said, I mean, he shoots 67% from the free throw line, so that's not great. But it's certainly not the worst, and it's not the worst we've seen of people in this class. So I think if you're the Kings, you take a chance on this guy getting better at shooting over time, but you know that he can play right away because of how good he is defensively. Yeah. Next up here at 13 is the New Orleans Pelicans, and... Taking Zion last year, as well as Nikhil Alexander Walker and Jackson Hayes, three guys at three different positions. But really, Zion's probably going to play a small ball five a lot, and so maybe you look for a guy that can play the four and also protect the rim as well. With with Zion, um, I'm I'm debating between two guys, and I'll be curious to see what you think uh, after this pick. But if I'm going to go with somebody, I'm going to go with someone that can maybe. Take over for Drew Holiday when he's gone and he leaves New Orleans this, possibly this offseason, and that's Tyrese Maxey out of Kentucky. He okay. he can defend really well on the perimeter. He might be, as far as guards go, he might be the best uh, guard defender in the draft. Uh, he can he'll he'll cause a lot of havoc for guys. Um, you see it uh, you you see it in his film. He's always guarding the best teams. Or the team's best player, excuse me, and he he makes it he makes it tough for them to get to the rim. Now the jump shot for him as well is something that concerns me a bit. Um, I think it's a little flat, uh, but the free throw shooting numbers it's eighty three percent, so that that shows that he can probably figure it out. I think if he gets a little more arc on his shot, he'll be able to uh, make that jumper work. And he was twenty nine percent from three. Um, I think if he can get that to 35%, just league average, I think he's somebody who can stay in the league. Um, another issue, getting to the rim might be a problem for him. Uh, he, he's not the fastest guard. When you watch him play, he looks really quick, but he, it's a lot of quick movements from him. It's not a lot of... He, he's, he's moving quick, but not anywhere. 
a, a lot of the time. But but I think if he plays that Drew Holiday role, and, and Drew Holiday is kind of the same way where he's he's not super fast, and so I think if Maxi can learn to learn to use that to his advantage a bit, and just kind because of, he's got great dribble moves, and he can excuse me shoot off the dribble very well. I remember the first game of the year against Michigan State. I I thought he was a top five pick after watching him absolutely dis- destroy the Spartans. And so I, I think this would be a really good pick uh, at, at 13 for New Orleans. And I think he could be a guy that, even if you do bring back Drew Holiday, that'd be perfect because you can have Maxi learn from him, a guy that I think he really models his game after. That's, I think that's the ideal landing spot for him. Because like you said, if you get to, you get a guy that you like, like um, you have Drew Holiday and you can get a young guy who, at his best, you project to be a Drew Holiday level player. Have him come in, have him work alongside Drew Holiday. I think it's a really good, uh, it's a good pick for this team, just because you know they picked, they've made a lot of picks, especially last year they made a, they made a handful of picks, and you named those guys. So they've got guys at a lot of positions, but it seems that Drew Holiday's days are numbered in yeah. New Orleans. So if you can get his replacement now, I think that's that's a really good move. And you don't have to worry about him playing on ball a ton. You have uh, Lonzo Ball as your as your primary ball handler. You have Nikhil Alexander Walker as the backup point guard. I think he's gonna I think he'll probably develop into more of that backup point guard spot. I know they had him playing both last year, but I really think he fits better as a as a primary ball handler handler rather than off the ball. And so you have that takes a lot of pressure off of Maxi because at Kentucky, Maxi was sort of that guy to other than uh, Ashton Hagens, he was kind of that guy that that had to handle the ball a lot. And so, uh, yeah, I, it's a it's a perfect fit for him. The other guy, I just I don't I don't know if you're going to go with him here at 14, but I just the other guy I was going to possibly go with was Precious, Precious Achua, just because of his his rim running ability. You have two probably pretty similar guys uh, in him and Zion, but. The jump shot is concerning for me. I think you need to have a four on the floor with Zion that can, that can shoot the ball, and so that's what that's what made me not go with the Chua there. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good point. He's a really interesting prospect. You know, we talked a little bit about him. Some places are are pretty high on them on him, and some places have, do not like him at all. Um, I will not. We have Portland coming up, yes. and he will. I don't think he will be my pick for them. Okay. I'm also choosing between two guys because I think with Portland, you know, obviously you have the guards, you have a couple bigs who, at the very least, are productive. You know, you have Nurkic coming off his injury, but when he was healthy, he was a very good player for them. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't, I don't like Hassan Whiteside at all, but he. Is he's fine? He's a fine backup center. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I think they need to get better forward. You know, they've got Trevor Ariza and Rodney Hood, but you don't want to. You can't bank on either of those guys being healthy or being contributors. You know. So I think that really it comes down to uh, which bay you like more, (laughs) and. I'm not sure which one's a better fit for Portland. I think it might be Tyler. Uh, okay. So I think I'm going to go Tyler Bay. 
All right. Because I think he's the better fit strictly because of his rebounding. Um, he's that gives him a little bit more versatility in the lineup. You know, he's a solid shooter. He shoots seventy four percent from the free throw line. He doesn't take very many threes, but I think the free throw percentage makes me feel like he will be okay in that department. And he shoots well enough, and he can contribute in enough areas to where it could make sense for him to eventually take over their starting four role, or he can even start. He can start at the three or the four, and I think be a productive player for a team like Portland. Yeah, I, I, I brought him up to you the other day when I was watching some film, and I, I was really intrigued because I, I saw him as high as 14 on some boards, and I saw him as low as 60. And so... Uh, he, he's just like a Chua. People don't really know much about him, but he's probably right up there with Isaac Okoro as far as uh, as far as perimeter defender goes uh, in this draft. He can he can guard just about every position at six seven. He's quick enough to stay with some guards. There's probably some smaller guards that'll take advantage of him, but his size also helps him guarding fours and fives in the league, and so that that adds a lot and. In Portland, when you have C.J. McCollum and you have Damian Lillard and also Anthony Simons coming off the bench, you don't have to worry about scoring a ton of points. They're, they're going to expect you in transition to score a ton, maybe in the pick and roll if they have you at the four. Uh, they might have him running some pick and roll. But, but yeah, I think that's a really good fit. I actually would probably have gone with Sadiq just because of his shot-making ability and his his defense isn't isn't that far off from excuse me that far off from Tyler Bay but but yeah they're that's a really good fit i think and that's somebody you can really build around and and the jump shot seems like it can be there it'll be there and you'll have to respect it uh the defenders will have to respect it for the most part yeah i i think the, like i said the only reason i went with Tyler is just because i think if you put him at the four, his rebounding ability is just better than Sadiq. So I think he gives you a little bit more versatility to go smaller if you wanted to. Yeah. That's the only reason. All right, so that wraps up uh, the lottery. Uh, are there any guys that, I mean, there are some guys on my big board that were in the top 14 that uh, I didn't go with. And so uh, are there any guys uh, after, the, after the lottery that you're, pretty intrigued with yeah there's two that i i really there's one who's probably the biggest question mark but he's a lot of fun to watch and then there's one that i just think is a perfect fit in today's league so uh, the question mark i, I think you'll probably agree with me and I, but i think you like him as a uh, pokusevsky yeah he i've never seen a seven footer obviously he's probably the slimmest seven-footer I've ever seen. Yeah. But I've never seen one move as well as he moves around the floor. I've just never seen a guy that size play with that much grace and play, and like just handle the ball that well. So he's he's such an interesting guy. He has this like slingshot. His release is so weird, but mm-hmm. it, it goes in like he makes it. What are, like, what are your thoughts on him? The film isn't very good. Just it, it's good for him, but as far as the competition goes, it's very concerning. The yeah. the the league that he's playing in isn't great. Uh, I'm not even sure that it would be considered a top ten league in the in the country or in the world. I don't I don't know. Uh, just from hearing from a lot of 
uh, international scouts, it, that that league is a little uh, softer. But his game, it, it looks fluid. I really, when I saw him, and uh, I think Kevin O'Connor or or Sam uh, Viceni on the Athletic, I think yeah, I think Viceni had him at like 34, 35, and then uh, a couple weeks later he was he jumped up to like the top 20. And so guys are starting to see him. Uh, it's it'll be really interesting. I think he does need to uh, bulk up a little more, and because uh, if if he's able to, I think he could really be uh, a slimmer Jokic, uh, Nikola Jokic, yeah, for the future. Because the passing ability might be his his best ability uh, on the floor. Because in the open court, you can give him the ball, and he can he can run just about any sort of offense for you. Yeah. I- I don't think he can be a productive player at the weight that he comes into the league. He's just too skinny. Yeah. For for a big. Let me. Eat a lot. Yeah, I'm. I want to just double check. Yeah, he's seven foot, two hundred pounds. So he That's does need to. Not he, great. he and he, but he's he's only eighteen, so he's very young. He's not going to be someone who comes in. I think I think a late first round pick is is something that I think a team that's already got enough guys and not somebody that they're expecting to bring in, I think they could take a chance on him and uh, develop him into a really good center in this league. Who's the other guy that you have? I like Tyrone Terry from Stanford a lot. Yes, thank you. I love this guy. He can shoot the ball. I mean, that's that's it. He shoots 89% the free throw line and am, 41% am, from three. Am I, crazy? am I crazy to say he's got a little Trey Young in his game? I don't think so at all because he does. He has range. He, that's part of the reason why I really like him. And you know right away he's going to – I don't know if he'll ever be – I don't know. I don't know if he'll be a starting point guard because he does have size limitations. But if you can get him – if you're a playoff team and you can get him coming off your bench, I think you're going to have a, a guy who's going to be in the league while because he can – just shoot the ball, and he can shoot the ball really well. And he's not one of the shooters that's limited athletically. I think he's a pretty decent athlete as well. Yeah. So he's never, obviously, at his size, he's pretty limited on defense. But if you can get him as a spark plug off the bench, maybe in the right situation with the right team around him, he could be a starting guard. But I don't think you need him to be that. I think you just need him to come in and score, and I think he can do that at a high level. Yeah, he showed up in Kevin O'Connor's uh, uh, big board at eight. I think he's like eight. Yeah, I, and I when I saw, I didn't even, I never know, I had not heard of him, and so when I had to obviously immediately go and figure out who this kid is, and honestly, I get it, I get why he has him so high. He's he's got unli- he's got just as good a range as Nesmith does, as far like they're those two are probably the best two shooters in the draft, uh, Terry and Nesmith, and yeah, he can. If he gets a little, he's not as quick as Trey Young, so that that is going to that that helps Trey get to the bucket with his with his short size, and so. But yeah, if, if Terry can come in and be a backup guard, if he's if he's a six man for his whole career, I don't think that's a that's a bad uh, a bad career for him because he's somebody who's just gonna come in and get buckets for you. I absolutely agree. I think that's a perfect fit for him is to be a. A six man, like a probably average somewhere between twelve and fifteen points a game for you. I think that's a that's a really good long career for him. Yeah, my 
my biggest guy I'm I'm very high on. I know I didn't take him with any of the picks, but I just didn't know if the fit was right. Jemias Ramsey out of Texas Tech. I I watched the the first bit of film I watched him. I just I fell in love with this this kid's game. I, I think the the free throw shooting is concerning at only sixty four percent, but he did shoot forty two percent on almost six threes a game. So I, I would like to believe that jump shots there. He's definitely some somewhat of a volume scorer. He likes to take big shots and big moments, but um, I think the athletic ability that he has, he can he can sort of fly through the lane like Westbrook. It's sort of Westbrooky there, like like you mentioned, uh, like you mentioned earlier. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, with uh, uh, sorry, uh, with who was that? I can't. I can't remember. Was, uh, RJ. Yeah, RJ. Like just like RJ, he can he can really get to the bucket well. And he's got very good leaping ability. Uh, it's just on the defensive end that he needs to maybe stay more focused. Like I said, that's that's a lot of these guys' problems. Like when you read all these all the draft uh, diaries on these guys, it's always going to be that they need to just be more focused because the physical tools are there for Ramsey to be a combo guard at either the one or the two. He can create for himself and for others. Um, it's just hoping that shot's legit. And uh, I, I would if you if after the lottery, this this kid fell to you. Uh, I think that's a it's a home run. Yeah, that's the type of guy that I like to take, like outside the lottery personally. Yeah, um, a, a good athlete who has a good feel for scoring the basketball, but maybe just needs to develop his jumper a little bit more. But like you said, he shoots well from the three point line and stuff. Free throws that make you kind of do a double take. And yeah, maybe there's still some improvement. That needs to be done there, but if you're a playoff team and you can add this guy to your bench, I think you're you're gonna be very happy with what you drafted. Yeah. Um, are there any other guys that you you really like, or overall, like how does this draft feel to you? Because I know a lot of people feel it's pretty weak, but I've I've been able to find some guys that I like. Yeah, I. It's not top heavy. That is the that is the biggest thing. You're gonna the you're gonna maybe get. Edwards and Lamelo, possibly one of the bigs, and Wiseman and Okongwu being potential all stars. Like th- those are guys that you really think could be stars of your team. Everybody else here in this draft, from about seven to honestly the first few picks in the second round, you're gonna find a guy who can who can come in and be a productive role player on your team, whether it be right now or in the future. I, you're gonna find guys that'll I think a lot of these guys are going to find a way to stay in the league for a long time. I think a lot of them have have some game. They're ne- there's not a lot of number one or number two options. Like like Achua, for example. I, I really like his game, but he's he's Montrez Harrell. That, but I would love to have Montrez Harrell at, at, at maybe 16 or 17. I don't know if I could take him in the top 10, but at 16, maybe in the 20s, Especially in the twenties, I would love to have them. You know, so that's the thing. There's a lot of there's going to be guys that probably if you fall into eight to twelve, you might be taking some risks on, and you might expect more than what you get. But you're going to get a lot of guys that can be seventh, sixth, eighth, ninth. They're going to be bench players for you, and but that's what you need. You need guys that can be productive off the bench, and I think there's about thirty to thirty five guys in this draft that that can do that. Yeah, I absolutely agree. So in that sense, I think that you get 
it's, it's a weird draft because, you know, when you're drafting, you're hoping that you can get a guy who can lead your team for mm-hmm. the foreseeable future. But yeah. I think you're just going to get a lot of contributors. I mean, we didn't even, we haven't even talked about a guy like Cole Anthony, yeah. who coming into the, the year was probably... He was the projected number one pick yeah. on most boards. He's just, he has an interesting game. and I don't, uh, There's just point guards that I think you'd rather have than him. Mm-hmm. But there's no telling what he'll be. He has the potential to be a pretty good guard. And he could be a, a lead guard for a team if he figures some things out. So there's there's guys out there. And I mean, I was pretty high on Nico Mannion coming into school. But I think he's a little undersized. I don't know if he's going to be ever be a high-level player. But he's a decent passer, so who knows if he could carve out maybe a backup point card role yeah. for himself in the league. And there's a lot of guys like that. You're going to see a lot of these, a, a lot of comparisons are going to be, a, a lot of NBA comparisons are going to be guys that were just role players in this league. Like they're not gonna, they're not gonna wow you, but they're gonna be guys that won't, that won't do a ton of bad stuff for you. Uh, Kyra Lewis is probably another guy that is really climbing up a ton of draft boards that I'm intrigued with because I, I mean, I don't know if he's necessarily up there with, you know, I, I have Cole Anthony at eight. I know I didn't take him either, but I don't know if he's up there yet with Anthony or Maxi or Terry. Even even Ramsey, I have him a couple. Uh, I have him slotted a, a few spots lower than him. Um, but he's interesting just because of the speed aspect. He could he could be like a De'Aaron Fox in the open court. He doesn't have the leaping ability, and he needs to add some add some weight to be a better finisher around the rim. But he's also he's another interesting guy that if he falls out of the lottery, you you'd love to take him. For sure, and I think this this is a draft where you can find out a lot about your front office because there's just some really good guys that you can further build your team with. So I think some some middling teams or some teams that are just on the cup, cusp of being really good. Mm-hmm. If you or any team that has multiple picks, they could do a really good job in building a solid foundation for themselves. It's just about being okay with taking a guy who might be limited in a couple areas. I, and that's just the, the nature of this draft. There's not really that many superstars, but you've got a lot of guys that will probably stick around for a while, like you said. Yeah, and that's why you see uh, on a lot of boards, that's why you'll see uh, guys like Precious Achua or Tyler Bay ranging anywhere from uh, top uh, to the lottery to maybe not even getting drafted or just in the second round. Like that's that is what is so interesting about this draft because there's there's just going to be tons and tons of guys that uh, you just don't know about. And you might have to just trust your trust your gut and trust your instincts on these guys. And so yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting. I'm glad uh, I'm glad we were able to do this. Uh, it uh, it was it's a good little exercise to do just to see where these guys fit because even when we were getting late there in the in the lottery I was I was getting concerned with where I was going to go with some of these picks and I think that's where a lot, how a lot of teams are going to feel. Yeah, I there's a couple times where I didn't obviously we're on a podcast where I don't want to have dead air so I'm yeah. I'm having to kind of talk through this in real time because you know maybe I thought someone else would be there. Mm-hmm. There's just there's some weird fits and you know certain teams don't need the positions that I think this there's there's a lot of guards that you can you could fall in love with in this draft, but 
there's not a lot of teams who need those type of guards. So it's about just trying to balance fit with mm-hmm. player, and sometimes I'm not. It gets weird. Yeah. It's a little weird. Yeah, hopefully here soon we can uh, you know, figure out more about how the draft is shaking out and, and get another uh, a 2.0 draft and possibly a full 30 30 pick draft that might be a little might be a little long, but you know, we can we can handle it. We might have to get Joe Joe or Callen in here to, to help us out with some of those picks. So no, I appreciate you you coming on, D'Angelo. I'm glad we were able to do this and hopefully we can uh, we can get a podcast going again here really soon. Yeah, I'd love to. Just just let me know what you need me to talk about, and I'll figure it out. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, uh, you guys be sure to uh, like, review, subscribe if you can. I don't know. You subscribe on Spotify, and uh, we'll be talking to you soon.